Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your weekend was good. I'm excited for uh, spending time with you today. I always look forward to seeing what the Lord is going to say, where he's going to take us, what we might uh, learn. I'm I'm a student at heart, and I always hope that I learn a lot uh, from my guests. Uh, maybe not my first one today, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but in theory, but my first guest yeah. is always a person that helps me uh, with a merry heart because they say a merry heart is like good medicine. That's a proverb. And I sometimes think we uh, overlook how important it is to have a nice smile, a laugh, take ourselves not so seriously and uh, look at life from the lighter side. And I always uh, ask my friend Patrick Albanese, who's my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, to join in and help me do just that. Patrick, welcome. Hey, thank you. Uh, and I, by the way, I do. I have low expectations for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that were good. And, yeah, I, you know, which I wondered, does that mean that we're not doing enough colleaguing? You know, we're, we're, we're not challenging each other. We might and be... by the way, happy Flag Day Eve. Yes. Yeah, is tomorrow Flag Day? Yeah. I, I believe so, yeah. Oh, I should have checked my calendar because you, you always do stuff like this to me. You sneak ahead and you look at events that are in the future. You're right, tomorrow's Flag Day. I know. I completely blindsided you with Arbor Day. I remember I know. that. That came out of nowhere. And now you're Heard about me it with for Flag weeks. Day. Yeah. I don't think you like me. No, no. It's it's just that at some point in time, I have to say, what do I bring to the show? <laughs> I, have to, <laughs> I, I have to bring something to Bill that he doesn't know. Yeah. Well, and so once again, uh, once again, luckily I, I, I just look at a calendar and I can usually find something. <laughs> once again, I feel blindsided. You know, yes. I trusted you, and now not so much. And uh, it's not the Canadian flag day, by the way. Yeah, what it's flag? Just, it's, it's just American flag day. American flag, flag day, day Canadian, across what? Yeah. Across the world or just America? I think we just do it here. The Canadian flag day, I think you can celebrate here, but you do 37% less celebrating because of the exchange rate. Yeah, that's true. I understand it. Yeah. That's true. Now, I'm a hockey fan. I don't know. You're not as much of a hockey fan as me, but I do enjoy when they start a hockey game and there's a, a U.S. team playing a Canadian team, I always enjoy hearing the Canadian national anthem. I think it's a beautiful anthem and it's always sung beautifully. And I always, yeah. I always love hearing it. Yeah, I, well, I think it's and it's respectful. It is respectful. Um, what isn't respectful is that the American teams seem to yeah, because remember when when we were kids, the Canadians were always winning the Stanley Cup. Always. Oh, the last two years have been could, a, a team from Florida. Yeah. Florida, yeah, go of figure. all things, right. you know, we're we're living in Back to the Future times, you know, <laughs> like Back to the Future, we, they make a, a movie that says, oh, in 2015, the Chicago Cubs are going to win the World Series, and everybody thought that was the biggest laugh, and mm. then in 2016, the Chicago Cubs did it in the World <laughs> Series, <laughs> Yeah, and now a Florida hockey team uh, wins uh, the Stanley Cup, yeah, but back in, years, maybe, maybe back, three in a row. Yeah, could be three. But back in those days, Patrick, as you remember, your your big black and white TV watching the Montreal Canadiens win uh, involved you sitting about four inches from the TV so you could follow the puck. Yes. Uh, well, and that's usually where my, my dad would place us anyway, because somebody had to be the remote control. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or did you ever have antenna duty? Uh, yeah, I had antenna duty. Yeah, antenna uh-huh. duty is not easy. You know, uh, it takes it out of you as a kid. That's what. That's how we used to burn those extra calories. Did you Did you ever have a TV where you had to change the stations with a wrench, or a, or a pliers? You had to grab the little knob because the button had broken off, and you had to grab it with the pliers and then turn it. Rosie just raised her hand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, why would you buy a new knob? Ah, there's no point in that. Not not Isn't if you got a pair of pliers around. Yeah, isn't it? A, yeah, and of course, uh, I mean, remember the TV repair guy would come over because occasionally your tubes would go out, and uh, you didn't have you know television, or you would you would lose channel five. You know, you know, Sal <laughs> Sal uh-huh. would come over. What's the problem? We lost channel five. We, we can't live without channel five. Mm-hmm. He's like, just channel five, just channel five. Yeah, just channel five. And Sal would That's, know what uh, to do. That's the amazing part. Yeah. You know, that's Dick Van Dyke show and then Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Uh, Can't miss those. And, 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 and then Gilligan. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> get us channel five. You can take you can take take seven. Yeah. Can you switch seven for five? We'll be happy to do that. Do you ever yeah. take a little inventory as to where you were and where we are now with certain things, certain comforts in life, certain blessings that God has given you? Where you think to yourself, look at the the day in which we live and the things that are we have available to us. And what a blessing it is that we have access to this and can use them. I mean, when mm-hmm. I, I remember staying at my aunt's house uh, when I was a kid, and it was so hot, and we'd be on the second level in the bedroom, and she had a fan in the window, and that was that was all. That was all you had. You didn't have air conditioning. Uh, yes, we didn't. No, yeah, no air conditioning, and, and you would choose. So I had an. Uh, you said aunt. Can I say aunt? I don't. I don't. Well, know. I, I say I both. Um, okay, I just didn't know what the level of the show was today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my 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 aunt Donna, because we called her Aunt Donna, uh, and and Uncle Hank, my my Uncle Hank was a member of the Georgia Crackers. I think he who did he help get started? Loretta Lynn. I think he helped Loretta Lynn get started. Anyhow, uh, they had this cute little house in Columbus, Ohio, that uh, was three and a half inches, literally, away from the restaurant they owned in Columbus, Ohio. And we loved to stay in this house. And we'd stay in the attic, which had these de- steeply pitched roofs. And it, even <laughs> if, as a kid, you could hit your head on those things. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was so hot up there, and there were no windows. But when we went to visit them in Columbus, where did the kids want to stay? We want to stay in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> not in the not in the kitchen in the restaurant next door. Mm-hmm. We and and of course uh, we got put to work at the drive-through at a restaurant, working mm-hmm. the soda fountain. That was fun, we got, wasn't it? Oh, we got paid no money, but all the soda you could drink. So you would, you just mixed all day. What does it taste like with a little bit of Mister Pib and a little Seven Up and some orange soda and some grape Fanta? Uh-huh. What would that taste like? Yeah, I bet you know, don't you? I know exactly what it tastes like. And then you would go up to that attic room where it was 114 degrees and lay down because you did not feel so well. <laughs> you did not feel good. Mm-hmm. But we loved it. We yeah. just couldn't wait. It's like we're going, we're driving to Columbus again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, you ever hear, did your parents ever say anything to you when you were young to help alleviate some of your fears or some of your little anxieties when when you, you bought what they were saying? You know, even though it wasn't entirely true, but at the time yes. it was very helpful. Uh, 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 yes, like uh, you know, uh, let go of your brother, or I'll show you what really hurts. <laughs> yeah, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, that allayed some fears. Well, yeah, no, you mean uh, cute saying, right? Yeah, a little cute stuff. My 
like I heard this roaring thunder uh, this morning, and I thought, I remember as a kid being a little afraid of thunder, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom saying, oh, it's just the angels, they're bowling. And she would say, oh, it sounds like one of them got a strike. And all of a sudden I went from being afraid of thunder to liking it, not being yeah. afraid at all. It's just what the is angels a, bowling. Well, what does a gutter ball sound like? That good question. Well, my mom said a similar thing. And say, and, and what about the rain? And she'd say, well, that's the angels crying. <laughs> Have you heard that one? I didn't hear that one. And it was the angels crying. Okay. And I would ask, why? I said, is the bowling's not going so well? <laughs> <laughs> and as a joke, it might be something like, no, I think it was something you did. So I don't... <laughs> oh, that's not good. I'm I cur- kid, I kid. I, yeah, I'd love to hear from a listener if there was a little piece of wisdom that you got from mom or dad that helped alleviate a little fear of yours or a little anxiety of yours. And it really worked. Uh, I just find that so fascinating. I love those little stories. I think they're charming. If you do have one and and you're willing to send it over, text it to 877-933-2484. Again, text to 877-933-2484. Love to read a couple. Patrick, what, what do you have? I forgot. No, I I kid. Uh, No. uh, How about this one? Uh, if your cup is full, carry it even. So, you know, as a kid, you have a tendency to say, well, I'm just going to take out. Well, first off, it usually was your plate, you know, the old, <laughs> your, your eyes. That was a good one. Remember, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have that one? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I heard that one, but I didn't necessarily get that one. Oh, because you, you were, remember. Fi- yes. You were sitting around well, a table with, what, eight and you, a lot of boys. Eight kids and, and mom yeah, and dad. Yeah. yeah. So you're. You're trying to get as much food on your plate as possible before it's there gone. Was, it, was, it was the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> and we competed for food, and uh, you know, my mom would like to limit that first serving, you know, so that you didn't – no leftovers. She didn't mind leftovers, but nothing goes in the garbage. So if, if you put it on your plate, you had to eat it, of course. Uh, and if you filled it up, she would say your eyes are bigger than your stomach, uh, which I guess means – you you're not that hungry. I know you're not that hungry, but it was also her kind of wink, wink, saying you have to finish that now. Oh yeah. But you you knew that if you didn't fill the plate with like with my two older brothers, I said it's I, I, they're a lot bigger than me. They're older. They're more experienced at this. <laughs> you know, they're they're faster eaters. They're tougher. So uh, it was uh, I we all learned to eat pretty quickly, so you could go back for seconds. And this time you can now taste the food. (laughs) (laughs) Because the first time it wasn't about tasting it. It was about just getting it down your gullet like a pelican. Yeah, it was just what you were doing. You were were opening the gullet up just enough (laughs) to allow the rest of the food to pass and you could taste it. (laughs) All right, I'm going to take a break. But right before, uh, Rosella said, you can take a knob off something else or switch them from the same appliance. I'm listening to you on a 40-year-old radio with mismatched knobs. Wow. Love that. All right. Yeah. But these days, everything has to match. (laughs) That's true. That's true. We'll be back with more. Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, also in the prestigious, prestigious town of West Des Moines. you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... 
I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain That woke up music is for Patrick Albanese And I'm always glad to talk to my friend and colleague From the great state of Iowa Patrick, here's an interesting quote from Richard Feynman. He's a uh, physicist and recipient of the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1965. He said this, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Mm. Think about that. I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. It seems like that's the world we're living in nowadays. Yeah, we 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 kind of do a lot of uh, you know the 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 debate is over, the jury is out, uh, and uh, you know something you know the science is settled, and it could be on whatever topic, and that never used to be the case. No, but you know I think it does seem to be a way of not engaging because it you know sometimes there are questions that are tough to answer. I I think with you know, friends that I have that might see some political things differently than me, but they're they're good enough friends where you can say, hey, I'm not trying to change your mind because I, I don't know if that's possible. I'm just here's the question I have. This is the thing that I think about, whatever the topic is. And I, I think your friends that are fair will say, I think that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the people that get upset and say, well, how dare you even question it? Uh, and I, f- I find it's 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 kind of amazing that, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of friends that will say that's a really good question. And I say that phrase a lot when they bring up something to me. I say, but, you know, I don't know if I have the answer to that. That that's a, not only is it a good question, it's a tough one. And I fear that the answer, whatever it may be, will not make everybody happy. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least we, we could have that discussion. Do we not have the discussion anymore? Well, in the marketplace of ideas in a civilized society, we exchange them respectfully. Yeah. Maybe we don't do that anymore. Maybe we we don't do that anymore. Did it all start with Saturday Night Live and, you know, Weekend Update? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because I think uh, some of those old shows, you know, like, I don't know if it was Count, uh, wait, Point, counterpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Shows like that uh, or McNeil Air, and they would have people on different sides of the political spectrum. And I don't know about you, but you'd get the feeling that as soon as the cameras went off, these people said, you hungry? Let's go get a bite to eat. Totally. Yeah. And and now you think, well, guest must storm off of a show anymore (laughs) and and say, I hope I never see you again. You know, it's uh, I I think about, you know, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill were – were enemies in terms of the opposite side of the political spectrum, and they spent a tremendous amount of time together. Mm-hmm. Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, completely different Supreme Court justices, Dear and they friends. would go to the opera together. Dear friends. Yes. Yeah. Close as close could be. Yeah. You say, well, that's really nice. How do you? How do we? How do we get back to that? Um, because I don't see us making any headway either convincing anybody or even being open to new ideas ourselves if all we're doing is fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm not even sure where I stand on, on this entirely, Patrick, but mm-hmm. I've always thought that if you want to be a, a person of influence, you, wanna, you need to be a person willing to be influenced. 
Now, in other words, yeah. if I wanted to say influence, have an influence on your spiritual life, and I said to you, hey, Patrick, I'd love to talk to you about something, and you said, great, I'd love to hear it, but can you help me uh, move some furniture on Saturday? You can tell me, you can talk about it then. <laughs> now, am I willing to be influenced and say, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I, I'm willing to be influenced to come help you as long as I get an opportunity to talk to you about your faith. So I always think if you want to influence, you have to be willing to be influenced. And I've always liked that. I, I know you've had that saying for, for many years. And, and, and I think it, it also ties into all you have to do is look back on your own life. Uh, in your case, a substantial number of years longer than me. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. I know, I try. Nice try. Uh, but you, know, you look back on your own life and you say, well, um, if I'm taking score, how many times have I been wrong? Oh, it's a lot. And it's, it's, it's not just that as you get older, you start to learn things that you didn't know. You start to realize the things that you thought you knew that were wrong needed to be re- rethunk along the way. And uh, you could say, well, I have to, you know, at what point in time do I, you know, do I put, like, do I say the end? Uh, that's it. I now know everything, A, that is worth knowing, and B, I am correct about all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be you know, I know we're close. Right. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. What you might be thinking is that, you know, close, need a little more time, a couple million more years. But uh, Well, I, I've done this even in my own spiritual life where I've come to understand a passage of Scripture a certain way, and I, I've sort of put that in the bank that, all right, that's how I understand it. That's how I know it to be true. And then through other study and, and more teaching, I see it from a, a slightly different perspective. Uh, doesn't change the fundamental truth of the passage at all, but I understand it better because it's been put in a context when I go, oh, now I get it. Well, and you made a classic mistake there. You went out and listened to people smarter than you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. How dare and, I? And we all make that mistake. Yeah. Everybody makes that mistake. Sometimes it's accidental. <laughs> no, I, 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 that, I, I know we talk about that frequently uh, how wonderfully rich the Bible is uh, and that you can see a passage. You know, I used to joke that I said, well, uh, apparently while I was asleep, somebody came in and either changed that passage and entered just a little bit more information because they decided I was ready for it Mm -hmm. or it was already there and I couldn't see it. Mm. And I just needed my eyes open to it and you know, that's, you know, I, I often say, you know, the, the, the Bible is like an owner's manual. And of course, we all know people don't like to read the owner's manuals <laughs> until they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And they say something's not going right. Well, guess what? There's the answer. Mm-hmm. But it does take some careful reading at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always think of the Bible can also feel like this beautiful letter of love from God to us, to you, to me, to Rosie. And I think, why wouldn't I want to get my meat hooks on every word in that love letter? Why wouldn't I want to be understanding, chewing, depositing it into my heart? Uh, yes, and, uh, and and to probably restate the exact thing you said, but make it sound like I came up with it originally. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, you've had enough of those moments, like I've had enough of those where somebody explains something, say, in a new way, and you have that aha moment. It's almost like an endorphin release. And you say, well, why wouldn't, 
if if this book is full of hundreds, if not thousands of examples of that, why would I not want more and more of that? Oh, wow. Do you look what I just discovered? You know, I mean, I'm not the real discoverer. It was put down in paper form for Mm -hmm. me. But why wouldn't you want that as much as you could possibly get it? It just tickles tickles you. Yeah, you're preaching to the radio host. Yes. Wait a minute. This is your show? Yeah. Yeah, did you not know that? You've been on the show how many years and you're just finding this out now? I'm just discovering it now. Um, So wait a minute. I've been a guest on your show. Yes. You think it's your show? No. No, no. Well, yes, I did for a brief moment. (laughs) No, yes, I know I'm preaching to the radio host, but uh, it's such a great topic. It is. Such a great topic. It is. You know, when you think of someone who is skilled in languages and you think of how amazing it is when they go to that country that they know that language and if you were with them and all of a sudden you watch them interact with everybody and you think, wow, that is unbelievable. That you're, yes. you're talking to everybody and you're understanding. And I think God's, God's word is that the more you have it in your heart, the more you can live life with a stronger, better um, application in life. You go out into the world, you're equipped. The Holy Spirit will bring to your mind what you need to say to people. Well, and I, I think you're, you're likening it to a, like somebody speaking a foreign language is also quite apropos. Yes, I said the word apropos. I don't know what that means, uh, but go ahead. I don't, it, yeah, it fits. But um, I, I think, you know, you, like in Japanese, I was learning Japanese and they would have, we, see, we have a saying in America, everybody makes mistakes. They would say, sarumo kikara ochiru, which means even monkeys fall from trees. That's <laughs> And that's that's the literal thing. And you say, well, I don't. What does that mean? And you say, well, you know, a monkey should be a skilled climber. And if a monkey can fall from a tree, well, that would mean anybody could make a mistake. You'd say, well, I just I like your way of saying it better. It's it's much more colorful. Well, the Bible, of course, rich in history, has idiomatic phrases itself that you say, well, let's or 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 you historical references. And you say, once you understand it, you say, oh, this is so rich. It's so much fun. So much yeah. fun. Give me the Japanese monkeys fall out of trees again. I want to hear that one more time. Saru mo kikara ochiru. Wow. I, I can't verify that in any way. No, I no. have no idea if it's accurate, but I'm just, no, no, I'm, I, it's funny. When I was learning Japanese, I decided to learn a bunch of these goofy idiomatic phrases that were like the kind of thing that somebody would be a 10 year student of Japanese would learn last after <laughs> living there. Yeah. I decided to learn those first. So I couldn't ask where the bathroom was, but I could say some really clever things <laughs> like, you know, you're polishing an apple, which means you're flattering me. Yeah. And they, they, they thought you must be the most fluent Japanese speaker we yeah. have ever met because how did you learn this stuff? So I studied it first. I didn't do the basics. Right, right. Patrick, uh, thanks. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Take a break. We'll be right back with the Monday afternoon mix. Rosie B., And Tommy Carreras is going to be joining us, which is going to be awesome. Monday afternoon mix. 
minus Pastor David Miles. This uh, is odd, Rosie B. It is. We usually we still, don't do anything without David Miles. I know. We still have to do mix, mix, mix. mix. Well, no, it's not really the same, though. It's it? not the same. <laughs> but that that deep voice of David Miles, he brings it home, doesn't he? He does. He Tommy does. Tommy Carreras is joining us, though, and he is was on the program with us last week and did such an exceptional job. We invited him back. I know. We were talking about anxiety last week, and they are f- friends. I think Tommy can probably fill us in. Yeah, definitely. They've done ministry together. Tommy, in, in uh, light of the fact that David is not here, maybe you could try the mix, mix, mix. Mix, mix, mix. Not bad. Mix. Not it, bad. Not it bad. doesn't have the same magic, though, because you are very right. David Miles has a, a just wonderful voice. So, yeah. Sorry I can't bring that, but no. hopefully I'll bring something else. <laughs> He's got some great pipes. So we really uh, appreciated you joining the program uh, last week, and the discussion and the topic of anxiety is one that is sort of on everybody's plate. Yeah, it it really is, isn't it? It just seems like it, we can't go anywhere without something ramping up all of the anxious feelings that we have, because everything is everywhere all the time, and everything's intense right mm-hmm. now, and it has been for a long time. So, Tommy, I have to ask you a question. We had a very lively conversation in my home this weekend on something I think we're doing in the world that we might not have intention to do, but using Mm -hmm. similar words that really aren't the same for... We're housing everything together. We're saying it's anxiety or fear or worry or stress. And they're quite different, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you had a conversation about that because it really, we throw all these terms around and they really all do mean different things. And the better we can get with our language, the more we can actually calm whatever the things are going on inside of us. That's one of the things all of these great researchers have found out is just naming things accurately is is so much of the battle, which is why we have so much scripture, I think, too. I mean, we have such a wealth of scripture and stories and all these like this, this incredible history over time, because the human experience is so vast. And so it, it took all of those pages to capture everything that we needed to know about what it looks like to unfold this relationship with God. And so I, I really, I love that. Anxiety really is kind of the catch-all term right now mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so it can work as that. But in a lot of ways, what they figured out is anxiety is the anxious energy, like the negative energy and the sort of intensity in the body that comes from the suppression of fear. And so anxiety and fear aren't the same things. Anxiety and worry aren't the same things. Anxiety is more specifically what happens to our bodies when we have unrealized, unarticulated, unfaced fear. And so in that way, they're much different because fear is a very real thing. You know, I see a bear next to me. I'm afraid. That's a good thing, right? That is my body working mm-hmm. working exactly how it should because I should get away from the bear. Um, and so that is a good thing. But anxiety feels so bad specifically because it's the alarm system, like we talked about last time, that something's wrong. And the wrong thing in a lot of cases is that we're suppressing fear because that's the worst thing you can do for a fear because fear is a, an important emotion that we need to keep us safe, to keep us healthy, to keep us from missing out on the most important things that God has for us in this life. We, we should be afraid of wasting our lives. We should be afraid of ruining our relationships, not overly afraid, but appropriately afraid so that we can respond accordingly. And then you've got other words like stress 
which is different than anxiety because stress is something like that that's coming at me from it, it's my reaction to a, an external pressure and that pressure is pushing on me in a way that I can't handle that's the you know if you think about the physical stress something is stressed beyond it's you know you think about the word breaking point um, you know if I've got a bridge and it has too much stress on the middle it will crack and that's because it wasn't built for that much and so that's different because that's external pressure pushing on me and uh, to a, a degree that I can't handle. And then you've got a word like pressure, which is just describing the other thing that's pushing on me. And then you've, uh, you've got all the others out there too, but they're, they're all very different things. Worry would be another one. That would be a good one. Worry mm-hmm. is, is, you know, me catastrophizing about the potential futures out there, which, isn't a bad thing always, right? Well, catastrophizing is, I guess, when you put it that mm-hmm. way. But worry isn't a bad thing because I, sh- I should worry about things appropriately. But worry goes out of control and then becomes something more like anxiety because if I don't do anything to prepare for the things that I'm worried about that I can control, if I don't take it back to something in the present moment that has an action involved then it will remain worry. And if, if worry just goes unresponded to, then it will spiral out of control and really start to hurt me. And so it really does help to figure out what these things are. Anxiety is me suppressing my fear. Fear is actually being uh, afraid of a, a real danger, a real threat to my life or my calling or, or whatever, my health, whatever it is, or somebody that I love. Um, pressure is some, you know, an external force pushing on me. Stress is me reaching my breaking points, something I can't handle. All of those really do help to articulate so that we can act accordingly. I think that's a, that's a great place to start. I, and just he- hearing you define those so specifically, as you were talking, I was thinking of different scriptures that I, I think in, even in my own parenting and in my own, um, you know, walk with the Lord, I think I've used certain scriptures perhaps not responding in the right lane to what I was actually feeling or trying to teach, Mm. such as, you know, Mm. um, may the peace of God be your constant companion. Um, He transcends, his peace transcends all understanding. You know, that might not be the best scripture if you are going through potentially anxiety, but maybe it would be really great if you're going through stress. Or be still yeah, and know yeah. that I am God. You know, I can I can see yeah. now as you describe these things separately that they're kind of going to different roots of how we're feeling and where our relationship with the Lord is as our God in control of all things, right? Absolutely. I, I was just writing something the other day, actually, and, and I, was, I was talking about how often we, let's see, what we do is we often go to result-oriented scripture, to, to meet somebody in their moment of pain or, or fear or confusion or anxiety. You know, they're in the middle of the problem. We go to results-oriented scripture. And so, so even that idea of, of giving somebody, you know, well, the peace of God will transcend all understanding. And I'm like, that, that's great. That is a result. How do I get the peace, though? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we often want to skip ahead to the result of the relationship with God, the result of the work that he's calling us to, the result of the obedience that we're, we're trying to find out. What, what, how do I be obedient in this, this situation? And we skip to the result and say, well, when, when you figure that out, <laughs> this will be the result. And honestly, the, the challenging part is we, we've been taught that. I mean, if you go on social media, mostly 
the content on social media out there happens to often be results oriented. Well, this will be true. Well, how do I get there though? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the the part that I've I've been just racking my brain about. My wife and I are trying to figure out is is what does the how look like? We understand what the results are, why it's better than the alternative, why following Jesus is worth it. But how do you get there? You know, all of these, all of these examples that we have are very old and that's not a bad thing, but how do you navigate a global world where I know everything all the time about everyone and everything? (laughs) How do you navigate Mm -hmm. the, the amount of stimulation coming into my eyes, ears, body, everything, right? Everything is happening all the time and there's no silence. How do you navigate that? Nobody in the whole biblical narrative had to deal with that. And it doesn't mean there's no answer there. It just means we have to learn how to translate the how, not just, well, hey, it'll be worth it and the peace of God will be there. Uh, Or, or, you know, you'll find your purpose when and you'll have meaning and contentment when. And so therefore be content. Like, well, yeah, what does that mean, though? What does it mean to be content, and how do I navigate that here and now? And I think that's what we are trying to navigate more than anything, because that's what we've been missing so often, the real nitty-gritty, what do I do next to make that result a reality in my life? Tommy, isn't that where people can find themselves a little stuck? Because what you just described, I think, has a lot of people going, oh, that's where I am. Okay, now what? Yeah, absolutely. I, honestly, I think self-control is, is one of the best examples of this. And so I, I love using this example because it, it we all know that we need more self-control because I, I feel often if I just had more self-control, I read, I'd, I'd be fine. All of the other things would be fine. I'd just do all the things I'm supposed to do. And, and that's really what it comes down to, right? You know, you, somebody looks at you and says, well, you know, you should pray more. And you go, yeah. I know I should. <laughs> Why don't I? And they're like, well, you don't pray more because you, 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 because you don't pray enough. And you just get into this cycle and you go, okay, but why don't I? Or why is it so bad when I do? Or why am I so scared of it? Or all these things, right? Self-control feels like if I could just do the things I want to do, if I could just do the things I know are good for me, it would make more sense. But the problem with self-control, for example, is that, it would take more self-control to have more self-control. And the only way I'm going to have more self-control is by controlling myself more. And it goes in this never-ending loop. And, mm-hmm. and so we have to kind of reclaim what the, the fruit of the Spirit is, mm-hmm. not the actions of the Spirit. But the challenge is most of what we hear about something like self-control or goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of these, what we mostly hear is, this is why this one is better than the alternative. This is why love is better than hate. This is why kindness is better than harshness. So you should do this, and you should do it by staying in step with the Spirit. But just go ahead and do that. And then you say, well, well, well what do I, how do I stay in step with the Spirit? Well, you know, you should focus on goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Like, I thought you said that was the result. And so we get into this big cycle. And the reality is that I think most of what this comes down to is that we all are operating at a deficiency. We don't have the things we need. And because of that, we can't do the things we're supposed to do. And if you think back to the, the Garden of Eden, you think back to the original problem with everything in the world, 
is this Garden of Eden story that tells us where the issue is, and it's that we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. And what was in the Garden? Perfect relationship with God, everything we needed with God. Perfect relationship with each other, everything we needed from each other. Perfect relationship with this planet that God has given us, and everything we needed from it. And the question that really broke the whole thing was, are you sure maybe... Are you sure maybe there's not a little bit more that you're missing? Mm. You know, did, did God really say this? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like that tree's the best one. So maybe he doesn't have all that you need here. Maybe what you really need is over there. Wow. And when I'm operating at that level, when I don't have the things I need, because the, the, the problem then after that first sin, after that moment of doubt, after that moment of giving, you know, giving into fear, um, the relationship was broken. And now we really don't have what we need because, you know, the, the crazy, intense cherubim at the, gar- at the garden, right, with the flaming sword, we're not there anymore. We lack what we need. And often I think that, that we look at ourselves like these evil people that need to be um, fixed or broken or reined in before I break everything, right? But, but that's not the primary way that God approaches us. He approaches us as lost people that need to be found. The prodigal son story of, right, that somebody who makes a absolute mess of his life, he's not not the problem, but at the same time, he doesn't smack him into submission when he comes home. He loves him and heals him and gives him the things he needs Again, he throws the party that he knows that he needs. He throw, he you know, he gives him the food and the warmth and the shelter that he knows that he needs. And so God is trying to give us what we need, not just trying to whip us into shape so we disappoint him less. And if we can operate on that level and get the things we need from God and actually find the things we need from people that he has given us, then I think that we can start to have these. I, I, I think that's what it looks like to, to live in the spirit and walk in step with the spirit. It's, it's coming back into alignment with what Eden was supposed to be, a place that we had all the things we needed. You know, as you're um, talking, Tommy, I'm thinking of breaking the cycle and, and, and just the questions that you brought up. Well, how do I get that? And where do I get that? And, you know, Someone looking in can say, "Well, you get it from Jesus." But when you're in the middle of the uh, of the cycle and you're lost and you're you can't see up or down, and I think everybody's right. been there at some point in their life. Truly, that's the invite of the knocking. Because when you start asking the yeah. question of how, where do I get it? How does it look? That's the invitation for Jesus to come in for the transformation of bringing you into yeah. alignment. You know, so often we he's waiting. He's waiting for his, the mm-hmm. invite from us to say, I need you. Mm-hmm. I need you in this. This is, yeah. I can't get here myself and I am deficient. And what if a beautiful way to look at it is I don't have what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that puts us in the place of vulnerability, right? And we, we know that a relationship with God is built on this massive foundation of humility and vulnerability. When I'm willing to say that I can't get what I need on my own, that's when the magic starts to happen because that's the only heart that can then accept a gift from somebody else. Mm -hmm. I believe I have everything I need. I'm not going to need your gift. Mm -hmm. Tommy, we're having a little role reversal here in the studio. Usually Rosie looks at me 
and says that we have to take a break. <laughs> no, I'm Rosie, so invested in this conversation, yeah, no, Bill. Rosie is just so busy talking. I'm looking at her now going, Rosie, we have to take a break. <laughs> How so, about we take one? So I think we need to take a break. But uh, Tommy Carreras is, is our guest. And we are uh, enjoying the Monday afternoon mix uh, with Tommy Sands. David Miles, but Rosie B. and I are here. We'll be right back. Down south. Well, he, are we yeah. calling that an excuse? No, <laughs> we're calling that ministry. He oh, got good. called into a that, great that I, role. Yeah, that I'm... Yeah. Fully supportive. Tommy Carreras is our guest. He was with us last week, and we liked him so much we asked him back. Uh, Tommy, right before the break, you you just crushed me with a line. You said that God doesn't just want to whip us into shape so we disappoint Him less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that I wrote that, down pretty that quickly. Is, that has been uh, a key theme for me for quite a while. I, I don't think I knew how strongly I feared God's disappointment, not His wrath, not His judgment. Mm. Mm. So just interesting face. Yeah, just that face of him looking and going, you know, I thought you'd be better than this. We should fear his wrath and judgment. Yeah, yeah, but that is like, since when did I think that he was disappointed? (laughs) He knows what he got when he got me, and it wasn't an impressive package, and that's okay, because (laughs) he he decided that he wanted to love me anyway. And so those those kind of beliefs in there really have have ransacked my heart for a long time, and so I'm I'm glad that stuck out. Mm -hmm. When you deal with anxiety, how much of that is based on negative self-talk? Oh, I, I think in a lot of ways it is almost wholly, I don't want to even say that, but it's so much reinforced by negative self-talk that we don't even really realize it because most of that self-talk doesn't actually happen very consciously either. I think we would be all really surprised if we saw a transcript of what happened in our minds because a lot of it's pretty ugly and Mm. it's not all what we planned on, right? We wouldn't say it out loud. We wouldn't ever talk like that to somebody else, right? Because that would be obviously wrong. And apparently I'm not someone else to me. I'm some, you know, chopping block that I can be put on. So I I think that self-talk is really important to watch because of the reinforcing nature, but I actually don't believe that's where it starts. I think the anxiety comes from, you know, and when we think about anxiety, we got all those different words, but the fears, the anxieties, the worries, all of them actually start with nuggets of truth. And that's the most dangerous part about them. I think that's why we don't engage with them very often, because we know that there's some level of truth to them. And that's a terrifying thought, right? If I think, oh no, maybe I'll get fired if I really say, hey, I can't work this hard anymore. You know, and I'm anxious about that. Well, I should be because I'm working too hard and I'm, you know, sacrificing my life for my job or whatever it is. But the fear is I actually might get fired if I say that because I might work in a terrible environment and they might fire people who don't want to perform at 187 percent. And that's scary. Is that even possible? And maybe I've. <laughs> right, yeah, you can't get more than 100 percent, right? Expected. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least it's 187% of your time. And okay. so, but the reality is a lot of times we, we get these messages in real wounding, damaging experiences in our lives. And then our prediction machine brains say, well, if it happened then, it could happen again. And that's not wrong, but it's a terrible way to live at the same time. And so 
we have to figure out how to to navigate all the way back to to why I am afraid of this thing, why I'm anxious about this thing, why do I catastrophize in that direction every time? There's actually always a reason because all of these behaviors, all of the emotions we experience are evidence of a real unmet need or a real problem. And if we can follow the trail of evidence correctly, then we can meet the need or fix the problem. And I think that's what Jesus wants to do is meet the need or fix the problem, not fix the way we feel or fix the way we act, because he knows those are downstream effects of fixing the actual problem in my heart or the need that is going unmet in my life. I think that's what he's after. Mm. Mm. I think that's a lot of wisdom right there. It's so much wisdom, mm-hmm. and it's it's making me think about unraveling so many of our fears and anxieties and coming to that position of our relationship with the Lord. Because, yes, you could lose your job, and who's your provider, right? It, it, like the, just, right, right. just trusting that God will provide um, how do I want to say it clear? We think we're in so much control and we're not. And so the anxiety mm-hmm. comes in when we don't have control of our situation. And we're also not trusting God that he will be God for us and take care right, of the right. results, even though they may be painful. Right. Well, when that anxiety tricks us into controlling the wrong things, sure, right? I, I'm sure. going to control all of these things like other people or other situations or the way I present myself to the world. But those are all the wrong things to control. What I can control is the best, wise, Jesus-like decision that I can make next. And that's usually facing my fear, being vulnerable with a trusted friend, and trusting God in a way that looks like something, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's mirrored in action. But we don't control those things. We control other people or situations or, you know, again, the way we look to the world. And, and those all are futile attempts at control because I can't control any of that stuff, but it tricks us into not controlling the things that we are in control of, which is the thing I do next. And so if we can dial in what I actually do next for the right reason to confront the real fear in my life or to fix the real problem, then we can actually start to decrease all of these negative emotions and negative behaviors, destructive things in our lives because we're fighting the real villains instead of the made-up ones that we've come to believe are the real problem. Mm-hmm. Tommy Carreras is our guest. And Tommy, the idea that there's certain levels of anxiety that stall you out, and there's some anxiety that produces action. And I think the the, mm-hmm. the latter is what we all want to do as believers, is to say, I'm going to use this anxiety to move me to a different place, to move me to a better mm-hmm. place, to take action that, that the Lord would lead me to do and uh, not be stuck, not take this anxiety yeah. and live in a pool of um, of funk, so to speak. Yeah, I think when we can see it as evidence, right, when mm-hmm. we can see it as as facing something we need to face, when we actually feel all our feelings instead of uh, trying to do away with the feelings that are trying to alert us of the real problem. It's like anxiety is a smoke alarm. We talked mm-hmm. about last week. You don't take the batteries out. You actually put out the fire. Right. When we can listen to the smoke alarm a little longer, put out the fire, we start getting some places. And, and that's why we're creating the tools we're creating. It's all how to do those actual things instead of the, you know, the, the pain management that we've been sold often. And sometimes that we're sold in the church, right? We're, we're, we're given this, like, it's okay. Just believe that God is your peace. 
believe that God will handle it all, sit back and wait for that to happen. That's a little bit of a morphine hit that makes me not so afraid when really Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not over there waiting for you. I'm right next to you, and I'm trying to make you brave because that's the kind of person that I'm, I'm trying to form you into. Let's go tackle the problem. Let's go face the fear. Let's go change the world. But we're still convinced that he just wants to make us feel better. And so what he really wants to do is give us that spirit, not of timidity, but of power and self-control and actual bravery. I think mm-hmm. that's the kind of courage that we can expect from him yeah. when we face our feelings and do something. Tommy, you came on last week as David Miles' friend. Now you're all of our friend. Um, how do we get a hold of you? Where do we go? Do you have a website we can go look at? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I'm glad to be called a friend. This has been wonderful, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. So donewithstuck.com is the best place to find everything we do. We've got actually uh, one thing that's, that's really related to exactly what we've talked about right there on the website. Uh, first spot, you can pop in your email, and you get what we call a recovery rhythms guide. Nice. So done with, call it kind of step one. Yeah. Donewithstuck.com. Donewithstuck.com, and that's okay. all about trying to live life on an actual full tank and meet those high-ticket needs that we actually, like, that's what God wants for us instead of from us. And so that's right there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, um, trying to put out as uh, quality and helpful content on Instagram as I can. It's just at Done With Stuck, and would love to see anybody thank in you. both those places. Thanks for joining us, Tommy. Tommy Carreras has wonderful. been our... Thanks for having me. Thank you. Tommy Carreras has been our guest. We'll take a break and come back with Nicole Zasowski. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.